Welcome to the Myth-Busting Lung Cancer Screening Podcast Series, hosted by Dr. Debbie Dyer. This podcast is brought to you by the American College of Radiology and the National Lung Cancer Roundtable. Hello, and welcome to the Myth-Busting Lung Cancer Screening Podcast Series for Lung Cancer Awareness Month. My name is Dr. Debbie Dyer, and I'm a thoracic radiologist in Denver, Colorado, and I'm talking today with Dr. Gerard Silvestri of Medical University of South Carolina about the pulmonologist's perspective on myths in lung cancer screening. We know that Dr. Silvestri is very involved with the National Lung Cancer Roundtable. I've also had the opportunity to serve on one of the task group committees, and it is such an important organization and has outreach to other member organizations. And so I'm very curious to hear from Gerard about how can the National Lung Cancer Roundtable work with the member organizations to advance efforts to promote lung cancer screening? Again, thank you, Deb, for having me do this series with you. And three or four years ago, I think it was this National Lung Cancer Roundtable was organized. And at first, honestly, to, to, to be fair, I was a little skeptical about what, what the heck is this National Lung Cancer Roundtable? But because it was the American Cancer Society and they've done so much good work over the years, I, I agreed to participate. And so why, is, why should anyone who has lung cancer really sort of, or, or is worried about lung cancer, should they even care about what this sort of round table looks like? And the reason they should care is because it's really an amazing organization in that the Cancer Society has the ability to bring together very disparate groups of people that we wouldn't normally see in our working lives. So I'm a pulmonologist, a lung specialist, and I represent the American College of Chest Physicians on the roundtable. So my organization has 18,000 members in 100 countries, but we focus on solely things related to pulmonary medicine like COPD or asthma and, and other things. What the roundtable does is they bring together the Deb Dyers of the world, radiologists. They bring together surgeons. They bring together advocacy groups. They bring together payers. They bring together insurance companies. They bring together pharma sometimes, big pharma that develop drugs, and have us all sort of get to the same table and say, hey, man, like, look, this problem, lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death in the United States. It causes more death than breast, colon, and prostate cancer combined. How are we going to tackle this problem? We can't just tackle it in our own silo. So my silo is a pulmonologist, but as part of the roundtable, I can reach across the table and shake Deb Dyer's hand as a radiologist and say, hey, man, like, what problems are you having? How can we work together to solve this screening problem? Um, we know they get their x-rays with you. They're imaging their CAT scan with you. And then I work on some of the diagnoses. But the roundtable gives us this ability to come together as a group. And then also within that roundtable, there are task groups that say, hey, we're going to tackle this problem. We're going to tackle stigma. So we're going to tackle this problem in that a lot of people look down on people who smoke and look down on people who have lung cancer. We're going to tackle that problem. We're going to tackle how we can get screening rates higher in the United States. And just to give you a statistic, there are 8 million Americans, 8 million Americans who meet the criteria for screening for lung cancer. And yet only 5 to 6% of that group, or maybe as high as 10% of that group are being screened. So how can we increase our screening rates. And to do that, rather than me going to my pulmonary group and saying, hey guys, you need to screen more, I can work with this 
you know, larger group together to say, hey, we need to implement screening at a state-based level. We need to, you know, we need to provide this education to patients about what screening is about. We need to work with advocacy groups who have boots on the ground to do different things. So the roundtable is just a way of coalescing these different groups. And so my job from the roundtable's point of view is to bring back the message of the roundtable to my organization. And, and, and so it would be Deb's job to bring it back to the radiology organization and others to bring it back to the surgical organizations and constituencies so we can get the message out. That's where I see the roundtable working. And, and I think one of the really cool things to finish up this part of the discussion is we're moving from just figuring out what each other does, figuring out how big the scope of the problem is, which we, I think, knew, but we didn't really know. So we spent a lot of time sort of categorizing the problems in lung cancer. And now we're really going to, I hope in the next few years, really, and it's not that we haven't been doing this, but we're going to be doing it, I think, more smartly, if you will, directed, if you will, looking at how we can solve these problems. So we're going to go from just figuring out who we are and what we do and how big the problem is and where the problem exists and the burden of disease in the community to going out and say, we have targeted plans to help this, to change this, to get better at managing lung cancer in the community and making sure that everyone has access to good care in the community. So that's where I see the strength of the round table and what we are. And, you know, like if you're listening to this podcast, why in the world you should even care? I, I think if for no other reason you should care, because if you're listening to this, you either have survived lung cancer, no one, know someone who's been lost to cancer or, or worried about developing cancer. And you should know that there is a large group of people out there working in your best interest that are pretty darn organized and passionate. Yeah, no, that is true. It is a really passionate and dedicated and a very impressive group. One of the things I am curious and I want to learn more about is I know that you've been involved in taking the information as well from the roundtable to a state level. And so in your state, what kinds of things have you been able to do in South Carolina to bring folks together or to really emphasize the importance of lung cancer screening and getting patients and providers involved at the state level? So we haven't done enough. We could always do more. But let me tell you a little bit about South Carolina and tell you the things that we have done and the things that we're planning to do. So South Carolina is closing in on 5 million people. Two-thirds of the state of South Carolina are designated as rural and underserved. So, you know, we, you know, you get outside of Charleston where I live and Columbia and Greenville and Myrtle Beach, you're in a very rural area of farming areas and very rural South Carolina. And, and those folks don't necessarily have access to the, to the best medicine. So, so one of the things we've done is we've developed telescreening, teletumor boards, where we are able to reach out to those communities and say, hey, you can present your abnormal x-rays to our central tumor board where we have all kinds of expertise. And, you know, over the internet, we've, we've learned, especially through COVID, that there's a lot more ways to communicate now. And so you could be on, I, I often joke about it, you could be on a beach in Barbados as long as you have an internet connection. I can actually see your scans from anywhere in the world and, and we can comment together on that. So telehealth is one of the things we're, we're trying to work on. The second thing is expanding our screening program into rural and underserved areas. And so we now have a health system. So it's not just the Medical University of South Carolina. We have four other hospitals and those other hospitals um, 
have had either no screening program or underdeveloped screening program. And so we've actually gone out to those places and said, hey, look, we're going to put together a playbook. And I had my call today. Where, where are we with this? Where are we with this? What's our playbook for initiating uh, screening in those programs? And we've done this sort of hub and spoke model where we're going to help support them in terms of training their providers, in terms of education for patients, how to do the shared decision making. And since it's a unified health system, all of the abnormal scans that are of a certain grade will be reviewed here. And when referrals need to take place for a high acuity care, they would come to the quote, mothership, if you will. And so for, for us, we need to do more. And the place, so, so by the way, also South Carolina is a large tobacco growing state, right? So we're one of the 13 tobacco growing states. We have a high rate of smoking and a high rate of lung cancer. And so we're really working to incorporate smoking cessation into screening in these high smoking rate areas that are rural and underserved. And what our next plans are to really help work with the field staff of the American Cancer Society to, to maybe help get the message out and make it scalable. And finally, we really want to develop a playbook for how to do these things right and, and make it easy to have a sort of electronic playbook. If you want to start a screening program, here's a link to everything you need, you know, and, and so that you could find out you know, how to make sure your CT scanner fits the criteria to, to do active screening. What do you need to re enter into the registry? How do you attempt to get insurance coverage for this? How do you incorporate the most recent smoking cessation guidelines into your screening? So those are the things that we're working on. Now we certainly could do a better job. It just, there's so much to be done. I don't, some days I just don't know where to start. Yeah, it is a challenge. I am curious, how did you find the point people? the various facilities, particularly out in the rural areas? Yeah. So the first thing you have to do is keep an open mind. You can't just go out and look for someone that looks like you, right? You have to get someone who has passion and who cares. And we call those, I mean, not to label people, we call them physician champions or just disease champions. And so, you know, we, we've gone to these communities and said, who can, who really is interested in this? Sometimes we're invited by the physician champion. So that certainly makes it a lot easier, but we go out and try to find those champions. I, I will say, you know, South Carolina is close to 40% African-American. One of the really successful venues in South Carolina has been working through the AME churches, which are the largely African-American churches to find family members who will champion this and, and other people uh, within those church groups to help champion our work. I don't think the one thing I would say that was, I don't think this is a one size fits all. I think this is something where you, you, first of all, have to be respectful of the community that you're going into, try to find a physician champion. I also like paired teams. So the way we're working with these small underserved hospitals, Deb, is that we're, we're making sure that there is a, a physician champion along with administrator from that institution that can help with all the sort of you know, administrative functions that have to occur, like setting up a database to track these patients, like making sure the CT scanner fits the criteria for screening, you know, like doing, helping with the marketing and rolling out a program. And of course, we believe that the most single most important, and I would ask you this of your program, the singularly most important person in our program is the navigator or the advanced <laughs> practice provider. If they are the glue to our program and without them, you can't have a successful outreach program. And, and so th those are the sort of the way we've approached this. I think you just have to 
really go out and recognize the culture that you're heading into and, and, and not sort of one of the things I would tell the people in our audience listening today is one of the things that can really bother some of the smaller and underserved communities is if you go in there like this big ivory tower university and tell them this is how it has to be done. And that's just, it just, it just turns people off. What you have to do is go in with a respectful attitude and, and tell them we're here to help and how can we help and, and what can we do to support you in your endeavor? Wow, that is such great advice. So, I mean, I love the creative approaches that you've described and being sensitive to the communities and I guess the understanding of, you know, everybody does things a little bit differently. And rather than just charging in with what we may have learned at one institution is the right answer, it may not work elsewhere. And I think these state-based initiatives are going to be so important, though, because I think we are seeing exciting things happening at state levels around the country. And, you know, coming from the grassroots level is certainly as important as having the approach from the roundtable where you can get a lot of higher level folks together, some academic folks and the administrators and insurance company types, as you've described. And then Hopefully everybody will mesh (laughs) in the end. It's going to take us a little while, but I think it's just so fun to think that we have made some progress and we've learned a lot through, I think, a lot of these efforts. And gosh, we have a lot of good people working on these projects. So thank you so much, Gerard. I really appreciate your time today. I appreciate the staff at the ACR and the American Cancer Society for helping us put together these presentations. So everyone take care and stay well. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by the American College of Radiology and the National Lung Cancer Roundtable.